We did. We did publish that part. Yeah. Because then we could introduce, we could be like, welcome to Speak Up, I Couldn't Hear You. <laughs> Today we're here with... Today we're here with... Alexandra Junko. <laughs> Hello, I'm Alexandra Junko, and I'm here to talk with uh, Claire and Michelle today about my college essay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay. okay, so Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself before we start. Um, so I'm a senior, obviously, and um, I row, so I'm on the North Allegheny rowing team. I started um, in the spring of my freshman year, so I've been rowing for a couple of years, and I'd like to say that I am a pretty, um, like, academically driven person. So I spent a lot of time uh, focusing on my studies aside from rowing. So um, outside of school and my athletic endeavors, I I don't do a whole lot. I think my hobbies might include, like, sewing and, you know, just cooking, run of the mill. And um, I didn't do enjoy biking, so that's another thing. Yeah, no, she's an athlete. <laughs> she's an icon. She's a legend. And she is the moment. Big boss girl. <laughs> All right. 120. The smell of latex permeated through the air as I stared at the white curtain with my feet resting on the cold tile floor. I quickly checked the time to read 8.55 a.m., removed my watch, and placed it next to my tennis shoes. While ensuring that the medical gown was tied, I heard the nurse say, Come on out when you're ready. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I retraced the same routine. Looking back, I wish I knew that I was done. Done isolating myself, done stepping onto a scale to ensure that I was actually making tangible progress. Although it may seem rudimentary, numbers are a powerful thing in a teenager's life. The number 120 almost ruined mine. 720. My lungs were burning, the fan on the rowing machine blew cold air on my knuckles, and the songs from my 2K playlist blared over the screens from my teammates behind me. I started my final sprint as the monitor read off 500 meters, and my coach began to hound me. Get your split down. Come on. I found myself hyperfixating on the numbers on the monitor. They were mine. Only mine. I could feel the post-2K cough forming in the back of my throat, but the numbers jostled me back into focus. I wanted to quit. I wanted to catch my breath. I wanted to feel my heart rate fall, but I continued. As the meter count hit zero, I quickly set off the rowing machine, dropped my head onto the gym floor, and breathlessly stared at the fluorescent ceiling lights. 746. I failed to meet my goal, again, a number to find my actions. 15090. Hey Alex, I need help on math today. With subconscious lassitude, I gazed up from my chemistry homework and saw Kiki standing directly in front of me. As with every day after school, I offered to help her on whatever she needed. Reflecting back on Algebra 2, I attempted to explain the basics of substitution and elimination. Initially, I felt myself rushing. Rowing practice would certainly run late, and I had a lot of homework. As if it was a symbol of sorts, her shirt caught my focus. Oh, I made this for my fashion club meeting today that got cancelled. Instantaneously, my mood changed. Months had passed since I had visited the sewing shop back in Uniontown, which is the area code 15401. Just thinking about so special, a sense of nostalgia rushed over me, and I could almost smell the best press mixed with a low-quality Folgers coffee. In a way, Kiki reminded me of the older ladies who would sit next to me in class and recount their disconcerting anecdotes about life. Again, a number, my former zip code, guided my train of thought. Boom and bust cycles are plaguing, and I can readily admit to getting lost in the chase. The chase of a particular GPA, SAT score, 2K time, and even weight. This chase is what kept me going throughout high school. While showing Kiki how to solve linear functions, I realized that over time, my perception of the number has shifted immensely. 
Every number that I have found myself infatuated with throughout these past four years has formed me into the person I am today. The chase for 120 forced me to find the importance in my interpersonal relationships. The chase for 720 has yet to end, but has bolstered my work ethic and molded me as both an athlete and an individual. The chase for a new identity in 15090 has given me a chance to find my place in a community with a diverse group of people and experiences. While numbers will only ever show a snapshot of my current state in life, they have helped me define who I am and what I can accomplish. The sum of those individual numbers is infinitely more valuable than any one. A couple questions. Or mm-hmm. I will start off our questioning. Um, what can you kind of like go over to our audience members who are a little bit confused at the because I think you kind of use like the illusion imagery if if I'm using that right, shout out Mrs. Reinhardt with imagery. <laughs> um, what what is 120 and the hospital? If if you are comfortable answering that, so 120 is more of an allusion to um, just I guess I was very lost as an eighth grader and I kind of hyper fixated on perfectionism and finding balance in my life and controlling everything that I could to the point where it reached into my eating habits and I became very unhealthy in terms of that so um it got to the point where you know I just I needed help and ultimately I wasn't very receptive to that help at the beginning but I had to learn to listen to other people and I don't know take take their their advice and understand that what's best for me sometimes isn't always what I think is best for me so I think that kind of keys into that number in particular and overall um with my my place in in rowing and um being an athlete I think that um focusing on one's weight is very very detrimental because in reality the more you focus on it the the more issues arise and just eating properly nutrition is is very important to an athlete and hyper fixating on that was not ideal so I think growing out of that mindset that showed my growth as a person so that's why I I chose that to talk about in my essay thank you for sharing so then going through your essay we went through that's the first paragraph of it and the other two paragraphs that have numbers on them focus on different areas of your life too I'm assuming yes so could you talk about those other two areas? So the second paragraph in my essay um, talks about 720, which is the collegiate cutoff for recruiting um, on an ERG. So an ERG is the machine, like a rowing machine. It's it's basically how they test you and just your overall strength and ability to perform. Because on the water, everyone races differently because of water conditions and everything else. So your ability to perform on an ERG is crucial to getting recruited. And ultimately, um, 720 is the number that I've been working towards for the past couple of years, and I have yet to hit it. But um, hopefully by the end of the school year, and maybe maybe even to my first year um, on a collegiate team, it'll, it'll bode well. But um, so that's what the 720 signifies. And then 15090 is... Wexford zip code so um moving in in my into my ninth grade year so I I started at NA when 
I was a freshman. Um, it was a very, very different environment overall, not only with the people, but just like the way of life, the pacing of life. And I mean, a- academically, it was definitely a challenge trying to find my place. So I think that um, comparing the two uh, zip codes, 15090 is where I live now, and 15401 is where I used to live. Um, it, it just kind of brings perspective, and finding my place in the community has been challenging, but it's been a process that I, I don't think I would ever change anything about. Do you feel that you found your place in this community now? I think, yes, I do. At first, um, I mean, I vague, I, I, I distinctly remember in my freshman year, like, not having many friends because I was trying to fit in with crowds that were already formed if that makes sense so like friend groups that were already made and um, ultimately I think that just finding people who think like me and I don't know have similar goals and even just people in class like talking with other people really helped me um, get a sense for who I am and how I fit in so I think I mean overall it's a weird metric because I can't say for sure if I'm in the right crowd, but I think I am. So I totally agree with that. <laughs> and definitely, uh, I mean, just like tying it back in, um, when I moved, I would, I never would have imagined that I'd be in this position because I, I used to play soccer. And I mean, like I was, I've always been a nerd, but like I, I never, if you told me like three years ago to freshman year me on my first day of school hey you're gonna graduate and you're gonna I mean you're gonna go to college for rowing I'd be like what 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 are you talking about (laughs) and could you please tell our audience where you're gonna be going to college for rowing I'm going to Georgetown University yay (laughs) which one of this is the How did you feel when you signed those papers or when it got finalized? I think, I don't know, it was so, it was such a relieving feeling because although the college, like, admission process and, like, writing, writing all the the essays and doing all the supplementals and doing it on the academic side of things is extremely difficult, it's also very hard to just, like, have a relationship with a coach and, like, try and get them to know you and and over the past or like over the couple um months in the fall and like even last I mean dating back to last like February is where I started my recruitment process but it was <laughs> very taxing and just like I don't I, I don't even know how to describe it, it just made me feel like drained constantly because you just constantly have to like send out new data new information updates to all of these people and you're trying to simultaneously figure out what you want to do on the academic side of things so I think finishing the process and knowing for sure you know where I'm going to be next fall it was such a relief and I mean it just it I I can't describe it in words it was it was it was amazing can we go back to the um 15090 paragraph yeah. mm-hmm. because we have a special guest star who makes an appearance in that essay, <laughs> who is also... <laughs> <laughs> She's my little sister, Kiki Majerik. Yeah. 
So can we zone in on that moment and can you give us some more information about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this fall, Kiki sent me a, a text and was like, hey, if, if you would like to, would you want to tutor me? And I was like, for sure. Yeah. So um, right now we just uh, spend time most nights, not usually not more than an hour, but I mean, it's tutoring, so it's fun. And uh, we just uh, algebra two and, and chemistry. So my forte, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> no, so Kiki, true. Kiki is not a STEM gal, <laughs> may I just say. <laughs> so she appreciates any any help she can get. And I, I really enjoy like talking with Kiki. She's so funny and just a great bubbly personality. But um, this fall, we started um, we started having our like little, little tutor tutory thing, and um, I think at 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 that time I was very focused on the whole college process, and I was always I, I still am always very stressed, but I was extremely stressed in the fall. So that's where the paragraph kind of like originates, where I. I had this reaction where I was like, yeah, sure, I'll help. I also have a lot of things to get done, but I made this promise to you, so we're going to do it. And, I mean, having that moment of realization that, like, it, it's okay to take time and, like, talk with other people and help other people. And I think tutoring has, I, I never considered it to be something that I wanted to do, but doing it this year, I, I really enjoy it because although I... I understand what I'm doing. I think it's really valuable to explain what you're doing to someone else who doesn't understand it and building that relationship of I'm helping you with academics and I'm also here to talk to you and be your friend. I think that's kind of where, I don't know, just finding my place in the community kind of is like, hey, I should recognize this. Mm-hmm. Like, would you have have this relationship if you weren't open to talking with other people and interacting with them and just like lending your hand for help so I think that's where that paragraph kind of focuses and um, I will for sure continue tutoring Kiki until the end of my senior year so oh my gosh (laughs) oh my goodness yeah well let me just say she she loves it so much she'll like okay so michelle doesn't know this but and the rest of our audience doesn't know this <laughs> but alex is honestly i can say like some nights kiki and alex talk more than <laughs> i talk to kiki because because i don't see kiki in the mornings because she gets up way too late <laughs> you guys go to the safe school <laughs> No, but like oh, but different parents drive. Whatever. (laughs) Um. So, she wakes up too late, and then she goes to bed. I'm in bed by like ten every night. She's in bed at like midnight, which (laughs) I don't even know how that happens. But um, sometimes she'll just she'll like come out of the like bathroom area from her shower with her pajamas on, and she'll I'll hear the phone go like, well, and I'm like, who are you talking to? And she's like. Alex, <laughs> and you said that exactly like her. Yeah, Claire. Claire. Well, she. Okay, I'm about to expose her. I don't know if we're actually gonna publish this part. We did. We did publish that part. But she used to have a lisp, and she couldn't say no. the R's. So I, whenever she was mad at me when she was little, I was Cleo. She would go Cleo. <laughs> 
I'm so mad at you. What, what was her own name? Kathwin. Kathwin Majewik. Kathwin Now she's shortened my name to names where she doesn't have to use the R. <laughs> what what could you your name is my one nickname so. is Koo Kui Kui Bale Kui Bale Kui Bale it's ironic because Alex and Kiki so Alex and my sister do the same sport and Alex's sister and I do the same sport yeah so like we chat about each other we chat about our sisters and we're like oh, <laughs> Kiki our siblings were on the phone last night <laughs> yep yeah. And then, uh, or I'll be like, oh, Kiki's so annoying. And <laughs> Jackie will be like, Alex is, Alex is spending all his time on her homework. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Such a cool dynamic. But like, no, it's, it's so it's interesting. So weird too. It's, like, it's like a paradox, but like, yeah. at Mrs. Reinhardt again. Oh. <laughs> uh, so wonderful. This is so lovely. <laughs> okay, let's think back on our ninth grade selves and ourselves now how have we changed you can start first miss junko okay so in ninth grade i was definitely an introvert and i i I still think that i am an introvert but i'm more of an introverted extrovert Uh, like a somewhere in the middle i think i had to learn how to branch out and communicate with people and just like Put myself out there and, like, talk with people and, I don't know, just, I don't know, communicate. So, I think now I'm very, I think I think a lot more. In ninth grade, I I just kind of did what I had to do, did my homework, went to practice. Didn't really focus too much on things outside of the immediate and what needed to get done. And now... I spend a lot more time thinking, so I think that's definitely helped me just kind of, like, I don't know, figure things out. It's also created a lot of other problems, but I think thinking over, like, overthinking instead of not thinking enough is how I would say I've changed. Okay. Well. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think... I actually kind of the opposite of Alex on the, like, personality-wise. I think I've become more introverted. Mm. I think, and I think that's probably a good thing. I think I have gotten a lot quieter, um, which I think is a good thing because it's allowed me to look inwards and think about, like, who I really want to be instead of just being, like, this loud person all the time I can kind of control it I'm not great at it I'm working on it you know um I don't know I think I'm thinking more about who I want to be I've worked on broadening my interests like um and I think journalism has helped with that a lot like I used to not read books at all but then I started reading books and I like Alex. I, I too started thinking about things, and I think that's really helped me. Um, but yeah, like if I could give anybody advice, it would be just 
go for it. Just talk to someone. Ask to be a part of that project. Like, because you never know. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. Like, I've had a million things that haven't worked out for me. And it's also helped me find things that I really love. So, just try it. You never know. Just do it. Okay. Okay, (laughs) Mish, your turn. Okay. (sighs) Okay. Mm. In terms of introvert, extrovert, oh, well, okay. This is cheating, but I used to be so extroverted, so unbelievably extroverted. It was obnoxious when I was in middle school. But then, or, yeah, middle school, elementary school, like, so sixth grade-ish. But then I, like, I shifted to a little, di- a lot of different places, and I came here and in eighth grade, and it was a struggle trying to fit in. Like, I don't know why, because, like, I don't... I don't know. I always thought, like, I was pretty good at adapting to different places. Because I had moved before that, too, a couple times. Um, But it was just really hard here. And, like, and because I was just trying to adapt and, like, find a community so much, I was very aware of everyone else around me. Like, who were people who could I I could potentially be friends with? What do I need to do so I fit in with them? And that mentality started in eighth grade and continued into ninth grade. So I was super hyper aware of everyone else around me. But I think that's changed more because now, no, I'm still I'm still a bit of like a, if, if like they don't like me or something, I might like cry. <laughs> might. Might burst into tears. Yeah, might like, yeah. But it's less bad. <laughs> <laughs> and And especially... I might have said this earlier, but second semester senior year, I don't, I don't even care anymore. Yeah. I'm just gonna do what I want to yeah. do. Yeah, that is my mentality. That is sort of like that is how I've changed. I think I've gone braver in that I don't like if I want to do something or if there's someone I want to talk to, there's less reservations about how that might be perceived by others or how it might turn out. Like, just do it. Just do it. Like, what? Like, if you fail, then it's fine. Just. Then yeah. you're graduating in four months, and yeah. you might never see half of these people again. Exactly. And Even though that's kind of sad, but moving on. If they're mean to you, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and then, like, mm, if, I don't yeah, I think I'm just less aware of, or maybe I'm still aware, because I'm just, because I am an INFJ. TLDR, I just care. I'm just less hyper aware. I just care less about um, how things might turn out, how I might be perceived. If I want to do something, I'm more inclined to do it. Who cares? If I'm happy, what like what else matters? Okay, so that's the TLDR. Yes, growth. Wait, last wrap up question I have. Mm. Um, as a last wrap up question, Alex, do you feel that? this essay represents who you are as a person? I think it does, for sure. I mean, one for one thing, I mean, I wrote it. But another thing is, it kind of mixes in all of the different feelings that I had throughout my high school career from, like, not knowing where I was going in the first paragraph with the relation to the number 120. I had no idea what was going on. And I think I was trying to lead my life the way I thought was the way I was supposed to. And then I realized, like, I'm not doing it right. 
and I had to take advice from other people and listen to other people and just kind of respond to what they were saying in order to grow as a person. And then obviously the second the p- second paragraph with the relation to seven hundred or seven twenty, it's just kind of finding my place and realizing that there are things to work towards and goals to be set. And sometimes things aren't going to go well. Like I didn't hit that 720, but I'm still working towards it. And I think that working towards a goal, whether that's in school, outside of school, in an extracurricular, anything, having a goal and setting that goal and working towards it is incredibly important to growing as a person. And then uh, the third paragraph is kind of where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm just kind of appreciating all of the time and all of the people that I've met over the past couple of years and just kind of taking everything at face value a little bit and not reading into things as much, but spending time with the people that I like to spend time with and just, I don't know, having having fun for the last couple months of my college or until I go to college. Uh, so last couple of months of my high school career. Okay. So on this episode of Speak Up, I couldn't hear you. We have our guest. Oh, hi. I'm Catherine O. Hi, Catherine. Oh. All right. We are ready whenever you're ready. I had finally found a novel about feudal Japan in the library and was convinced that I would enjoy it. After all, I rarely found books on feudal Japan until on the very first page, the author admitted that they knew nothing about Japan and had based their interpretation on ancient China. Why write about Japan if you don't know, or won't bother to find out, in this case, anything about Japan? Although Japanese culture was heavily influenced by Tang Dynasty China, the fragrant conflation of two cultures made me seethe with rage, as researching a culture and period is half the fun of writing historical fiction. When I was writing about two young adults surviving in a war-ravaged country, I became interested in organized crime in Germany after World War I. My story was originally not about the Mafia and took place in the United States in the 1920s, but my German-American protagonist was very knowledgeable about the Mafia for some reason. Historically, this made no sense because detailed information on the Mafia only became widespread through a highly publicized trial in 1963. Wouldn't it be cool and also make more sense if he was part of the Mafia? I asked myself. This made me wonder if there was a German Mafia in the United States. I had only ever heard of the Italian Mafia and the Yakuza, and foreigners are usually barred from joining the Mafia. However, I learned in AP US history that most German immigrants were moderately wealthy and scattered throughout the West, making a German-American Mafia improbable as they lacked incentive, protection, and survival. So I decided to look across the ocean. I found that there was a German Mafia, the Ringverin, but that was all about the information I could find online. This presented an interesting paradox. How do you find information on something you can't find any information about? I talked to peers and teachers about my situation, and luckily, many of them were supportive. My school librarian was even kind enough to help me find an article on JSTOR, as well as a few books on post-war Germany. This made me even more motivated to write my story. Judging from people's reactions, the ring variant is a fairly obscure topic. Sure, I could make things up, But the thing is, the Mafia is a real criminal organization, and distorting facts for the sake of fiction would be disrespectful to their victims. I knew the potential consequences of writing about such sensitive topics, 
Many people accuse mafia films like The Godfather of romanticizing crime, even when said films try to portray the mafia as accurately as possible. As I read the article, I began to see through the perspective of a German living in the 1920s and understand why fascism was so popular in post-war Germany. One particular myth the article discussed was the notion that the Nazis eradicated crime during their reign. The Ring variant was able to survive until the Cold War, but because it's so obscured to the average German, the Nazi crime myth unfortunately remains prevalent. Trying to excuse the horrible actions of horrible regimes is no better than the romanticizing crime, and the only way to combat this is to find the truth. I realize this can be difficult. Despite the vast amount of information online, sometimes that actually makes finding the truth even more of a challenge. But as a writer, I am determined to find the truth for my readers and also have fun doing so. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for reading. All right. Okay, let's talk. Yes. So you wrote your essay about a novel that you're writing. Right. Can you tell us a bit more about the inspiration behind that novel? And yeah, how did you start writing it? So actually, when I first started writing in middle school, and this is a bit embarrassing, but yes, I was a big Harry Potter fan in sixth and seventh grade, and I would often write Harry Potter fanfic. So as I was drafting, I decided that I wanted to actually write my own original story. So I think I've changed from like original fiction to something about like a more school setting. And then I believe it was actually like this year or last year that I was, came upon the idea of the German mafia, and I decided to start writing that. What draws you towards writing? Hmm, that is a good question. I would say that, like, it's my... I just have, like, this desire to record everything around me. Like, it's just, like, this innate, like, desire to, like, write. So you said that one of your big inspirations was Harry Potter to start writing. What... Was there anything else? So I think my other, like, source of inspiration was the indie game Undertale. I believe it came out in, like, 2015. But... I was, like, first exposed to it in middle school, and I was, like, really, like, stunned by, like, the game because it actually presents to you, like, a lot of, like, different choices, which, like, actually impacts the game itself. So when I started writing, I first was trying to write a video game script, but then I realized that I couldn't really code. But I realized that because I also enjoy drawing, I could do the next best alternative, which would be a graphic novel or a comment but since i tend to write more than i draw i guess that's more of a graphic novel gotcha captain you are just going into all of these different things how big of a part of your identity is writing you wrote a your common up essay about a novel you're writing so like what role does it play in your identity i feel like writing is a very important part of my identity like i feel like my college application would be incomplete without it so that's why i had to write my common up essay on it do you think writing helped you more or do you think it made you more critical of your common app and your whole college application stuff? I feel like it's ever since I started writing, I've been like a bit more like, I guess, critical of my own essays. Like sometimes I just have this lingering doubt, like, oh, like, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. So I guess by any end, like you, st- you just have to like accept that and like submit. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like since you write so often, and you love it so much, you want to make it, like, as good as possible. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, besides writing, what, what other big elements are a part of your identity? Like, you know, what do you want to do in the future? 
So I actually want to be either an engineer or an AMI doctor, I believe. So really? I was, yeah, right. I was originally planning on being a dentist. So, like, I took more like, uh, I guess, biology-related courses. I'm currently taking AP Bio and Honors Anatomy and Physiology, also AP. Like, but then I believe that was around this year that I decided to like go into engineering. If I would go into engineering, I'd probably be in under electrical engineering or civil engineering. That is so much different from the writing. Would you want to include writing in your career life or just keep it as kind of a hobby? I would like to include it in my career, but if I if that's not possible, I still like include it as a hobby. Wait, why did you choose engineering and or these these careers that you might not be able to include something you clearly like invest so much of yourself into? So. My dad actually is a subway safety engineer. He often travels to different like subway testing sites in Paris or in Beijing to like test out like subway safety. I remember this one time, I believe in fifth grade, he took me on this business trip. But I went on him with like the subway on the first time, and I was just honestly shocked because like I realized like how like like efficient and how fast we were, and I, that's when I decided to like go into engineering. I don't know if you've um, been to like uh, Beijing, but like the subway. Like, on the subway stations, there are, like, platform doors that block, like, the entire... Usually from, like, the ceiling to the floor, like... So it prevents people from falling off the platforms. And at the time, I was just surprised. I was like, oh, well, why couldn't they just have done that in New York? So then when I got home, I decided to research more about the topic, and I realized it was a lot more complicated. And I just, I just enjoy problem-solving and, I guess, like, working with my hands. So it's, that's why I chose engineering. It's very interesting. Yeah, she's in a, she's a humanities and STEM brain. Yeah. Always been amazed by those people. Right and left. <laughs> so if writing for you is a way to process your emotions and make things logical, how does writing a novel with two characters about the German mafia do that for you? So I think this story has actually been like very like part of me because at this point like I'm just too like emotionally invested in my characters to gift up at this point mm-hmm. so writing like this novel for me it's actually like on a much deeper level it helped me process like some like emotions like during the stress of doing a college applications mm-hmm. like writing the characters it really helped me like process like some distress I believe there are a few characters like actually like based off like some of my like more like negative flaws and me trying to work out like this like personality quirk can you tell us about those characters and how you sort of helped yourself work through emotions through them? All right. So I think the drawing that I have right now, I know that everyone on this podcast <laughs> won't be able to see it. But the drawing I have right now is a picture of my main character, Holly, who is was supposed to represent like the part of me that was a bit like more like anxious and a bit like insecure. So I think towards the end of the story, Holly starts to become more confident and more assured of her own identity. So it was just me trying to like work out like, oh, like I want, because I really wanted to get a character who is more like me since I don't, hmm, I was trying to think because I have not read many stories about like, I guess, like Chinese American protagonists before. I think there probably are, but it's just not so. You know, I've been exposed to a lot, so I wanted the character that's more like me. Yeah, and would you want to tell us about the other character? 
All right, so I believe there is this other character. I don't have a picture of okay. them right now, but the other character I believe would be Dorian, who is also Holly's friend. Yeah, so he was supposed to represent like this phase of me, more like a perfectionist, because as a writer and an artist, I often get frustrated like when I make mistakes. Like if I make like smallest mistake on the hair, like I used to like throw out the drawing. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So it's, he was supposed to represent like that more like perfectionist side, which is also like part of my insecurities. And eventually, I kind of learned to like just like kind of accept those mistakes. So I don't know if you guys heard of the same, but for sometimes for like art, like people who create media,s like for creators, they tell them to like not you can't just sell like one flavor of ice cream. You have to sell like a bit of everything in order to appeal to everyone. But then I realized in that analogy, like I wouldn't. I would just continue selling my own favorite flavor of ice cream. Like, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me, like, whether or not people will like it or not, because I just want to, like, keep doing things that I love to do. Like, even if people don't want to, like, read my stories or, like, look at my drawings because I'm too obsessed with the German mafia, I'm just going to keep on doing this because it's just what I love. Thank you for listening to this episode of Speak Up, I Couldn't Hear You. Until next time, I'm Claire Majeric. And I'm Michelle Huang. Bye!